Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Librocubicalist. Today, my friends, is episode 304. I should mention, as I should at the top of every show, that there will be spoilers. I mention that and should do so for the reason that, well, there will be spoilers, most likely. Not 100% of the time, not 100% chance of spoilers, but you never know, so I cover my ass like so very, very much underwear and give a warning of spoilers sometimes i lengthen it out thusly so as to really sort of put the nail in in the coffin if you will and i hope you will another thing i like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear the only payment i ask is a million dollars no That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow and get audiences and things of that nature, which are fun. Fun things. Speaking of fun things, why don't I start the show? Today's movie monologue sponsor is Odd Tom's Feline Sanitarium. Thank you uh, to that for sponsoring this segment, in which I have three count... Well, no really need to count them, I suppose. Just take my word for it that there is three movies I will talk about right now. The first being uh, a film called Odd Thomas, which... (laughs) I don't know, I got probably halfway perhaps more, into this movie before realizing that this is based on a Dean Koontz book, or rather a series, I suppose, of Dean Koontz books that I have read. (laughs) So I think it maybe strayed a little bit from the books. It's been probably a couple years since I read the books. I do remember enjoying them, as I did the film. On that note, because sometimes I forget to throw out my ratings if I don't do it as soon as I remember to do so, uh, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. So uh, very uh, very high on the scale. Uh, the movie stars Anton Yelchin as the titular. <laughs> uh, Odd Thomas. Anton Yelchin, you may know. If at all you are like myself, a lover of the Star Trek world. Uh, be they the older Star Treks, the middle Star Treks, or the newer Star Treks, of which uh, Anton plays Chekhov. So, you know, that dude. He's 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 actually a very, very good actor. Uh, and in this, um, 
believable in a character that is unbelievable, I think is the way you could describe it. He uh, would have done, you know what, and I've never done this before, but I, I find now that I'm not recording this while driving, it gives me the ability to maybe write some more things down. So uh, I kind of have slightly more of a game plan on these podcasts than I did post-episode pre-episode I mean 300 so I've written down here in a California desert town a short order cook with clairvoyant abilities encounters a mysterious man with a link to dark threatening forces what I've done there is uh, basically just written down the IMDB description just so you can get a bit of an idea uh, what this whole movie is about Um, it's weird uh, odd, you might say. Uh, odd is, in fact, the character's name, his actual legal name. Uh, there's a little story, and this is kind of where it should have clicked in for me, but didn't. How uh, his father, his mother said it was supposed to be Todd, but there was like an error on the birth certificate. Uh, but his father all along said it should have been Odd. And it fits because he has these sort of strange abilities to see things that other people can't. Uh, I don't know, really know where the clairvoyant part comes in, other than him seeing these, what does he call them, bodaks, I think. Kind of monsters that are all around us, but only he and certain other people can see them. Uh, I won't go into too much uh, detail, because I don't have the time to do so. But I would recommend this movie if you like odd huh? movies. Moving on to another pretty strange movie, which perhaps should not surprise listeners of this podcast uh, that I enjoy odd movies. It's called Filth, also based on a book. This book by Irving Welsh, uh, starring James McAvoy. See, that's another little bonus of me being able to write down a few things, whereas when I was driving, I didn't really have the ability to read while driving. Uh, I can write down the name of the stars of movies, whereas before I would just kind of wing it or not know (laughs) just period uh this the imdb is a corrupt cop manipulates and hallucinates his way through a bid to secure promotion and win back his wife and daughter uh very reminiscent of and this makes sense uh, of train spotting makes sense because irving welsh also wrote train spotting hey how about that little uh little behind the scenes tidbit there for you Anything that gets cops on drugs, uh, I find to be good. <laughs> Just the, like, I don't know how often it happens in real life, but that combination of a, of a cop who is on drugs and sort of tearing shit up, uh, it's a good thing, as I believe Martha Stewart would say, if she enjoyed that as well. The other sort of standout uh, is the, oh shit, what are those called? Port of Call, New Orleans, Bad Cop. Oh, it's going to bug me now. Nicholas Cage. Oh. oh, see, I got to speed this up, uh, which means I don't have time to think of that movie that I'm trying to think of. I'll have to move on to the third and final movie titled Annabelle. 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 Uh, a horror film in the horror genre, the horror milieu. Uh, this was a choice of the misses, as you can imagine. Oh, I didn't get her rating. Uh, I'd probably say she'd go two and a half out of five. I, th- I think she liked it. 
as you know on her scale that would be a high mark uh for me i'm gonna go three maybe some f- scary four moments out of five i enjoyed it uh this is a prequel to the conjuring kind of sort of kind of sort of Uh, The IMDb for this is a couple begins to experience terrifying supernatural occurrences involving a vintage doll shortly after their home is invaded by satanic cultists. Now, cultists are bad, but satanic cultists are the worst. Just the worst. If you listen to me talk of uh, the Babadook, was that last week? Last week or the week before? I can't remember. Uh, I talked about how I had heard repeatedly that this was one of the scariest movies ever, and I think it was me hearing that that had my expectation of fear very high, so I wasn't that scared by the movie. This movie, it's about friggin' some stupid doll. Uh, I didn't really find the, The Conjuring that scary, so my expectations of fear were very low, but I found this more scary, so... I just kind of wanted to point out that fact, that idea that perhaps our expectations of fear uh, really can blatantly affect how we are fearful of a movie. Interesting thought. Let's move on to something else. Hmm... Today's television talk sponsor is Corey and Trevor's Smoke Shop. Thank you, sponsors. I would be a poor, poor man without you lovely sponsors. Uh, Television talk. This week we are going to talk Trailer Park Boys Season uh, which, if you are not familiar with the French language, means Season 1. As a sort of general rating of the entire season, uh, I have written down here 4, which I think is good. Because uh, they do get better as the season goes on, I do believe. Um, I should mention maybe at this point that I have seen every episode of the Trailer Park Boys at least once. Probably two, three times in some cases. But uh, the missus and I decided that when we are finished with watching The Sons of Anarchy, which we kind of close to being done are... Uh, you know what, I should bring some of those back on a TV Tuesday. Mental note to yourself, Jordan, to do that. Mental note complete. Uh, we decided we're going to move on to this next, but we kind of pre-started it just because... Uh, and this is TV-related, so I suppose I can go into it. Uh, I like to have a show on the go for myself. Uh, Right now, I have a show called QI. Oh, why don't I bring some of those back, too? Oh, so many TV, TV, TV talk things to talk about, TVs. Uh, Anyways, uh, and then I like to have a show on the go with the misses, which right now we have Sons of Anarchy on the go. Um, What I would not like to do is to have two sort of drama-type shows on the go at one time because I find that is a detriment to your your sort of bin watching bin (laughs) yeah go watch your bins your binge watching whereas if you have a a comedy and a drama on the go they don't sort of interfere with that binge feeling as much do you have any idea what I'm talking about am I making any sense whatsoever I would love to hear from you if you think I am making sense and you have the same feeling hmm 
If you are unfamiliar with the trailer park, boys, I pity you. Pity, pity, pity. I think they're, despite the fact that I think they're in their, like, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, I don't know what season they're in, they're, they're, it almost gets the, I almost get the feeling that I'm hearing more about them, sort of from the states, which I guess can be an indication of popularity. Uh, up here in Canada, we've been um, experiencing the Trailer Park Boys for a very long time, as it is a Canadian television show. Uh, but I think in the States, they're just sort of just finding it now, and they're sort of gaining momentum in their popularity. Probably has a lot to do with the fact that these are all available on Netflix, I should uh, mention. Uh, the show stars Ricky, Julian, and Bubbles, three guys who, you guessed it, live in a trailer park boy. <laughs> they live in a trailer park boy. No, they live in a trailer park, which is period. Oh my god. Just to maybe give you a little bit of an idea of what the show can entail, uh, I wrote down one of the episode titles. Just one, you know, just to kind of dip your toe in. It's not going to really give away any story or anything like that, but just to get a feel for it. Uh, the episode title from season one, just one in particular, is uh, Fuck Community College, Let's Get Drunk and Eat Chicken Fingers. Left a bit of a pause there for that to sink in. Uh, basically, season one is the boys, Ricky and Julian. They're sort of the main ones. Bubbles, he's he's the shemp, let's say. If that makes any sense to you. If it doesn't, well, no time to make sense sometimes. Mm. Uh, they're recently out of jail, moving back into the trailer park, trying to get their lives back together. Uh, a lot of that has to do with making money a lot of the making money has to do with committing crimes usually in the form of some sort of drug uh, making pot selling pot growing pot um other pot things uh highly highly recommend the show overall season one i think they're still kind of finding their way a little bit but still good stuff moving on Today's book banter sponsor is Orson's Original Organic Origami Oranges. If you did not last, if you did not listen to last uh, episode, well, you're gonna have to now. See, it's almost smart. I did this uh, because I am reading a short story that I have read in five-minute chunks. So this is chunk five to ten of. Dr. Tongues. Oh, shit. What the hell is the name of the story, anyway? <laughs> That's pretty pretty good. Uh, Dr. Tongue, colon, time-traveling origami robot, part two. Everyone was under the impression that the titular <laughs> Dr. Tongue had never existed. They all believed that he was the Uncle Ben, or Aunt Jemima of the Chinese food world. This could not be farther from the truth. Dr. Tung was in his day an imposing figure. His day, of course, being between the years 400 BC and 1400 AD. His Methuselian lifespan 
has been credited to a religious miracle or magic, depending on who you ask. To be fair, religion and magic were both equally valid explanations for a lot of things during these times. We've gotten away from the magic explanation a little more in modern, ti- modern times, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth, capital T, of Dr. Tung had a much simpler Occam's Razor-like explanation. He was a robot sent from the future to invent Americanized Chinese food. Duh. So, what does all this have to do with young Mr. Brumfield's riding a dragon, you might ask? Well, we are getting to that. Although, to be 100% Amish with you, I am not 100% sure at this point how I'm going to connect those two dots. Aha! I think I found something. Metal, robotic, origami. Okay, let me connect those dots. In the distant future, robotics and origami had become so incredibly advanced that the addition of time travel to the mix was actually relatively simple. Inevitable, you might say. It almost happened by accident, really no time for details. Robotic origami names were actually completely randomized, but the sheer number of them meant that, like so many monkeys typing on so many typewriters, sometimes there were occasionally the illusion of a pattern. In this case, the name Dr. Tung. Dr. Tung was programmed as a Chinese food chef in a far distant time, and perhaps far different distant space, depending on where you are reading this. However, his program became corrupt and virtually all deleted in a work accident. All that remained of his original programming was C colon backslash user backslash R backslash create Americanized Chinese food dot exe. Dr. Tung would have normally had innumerable lines of code with instructions on how to go about this task. However, he had to fill them in for himself. Dr. Tung took what he thought was a logical leap and decided that what remained of his programming meant he was to travel back in time and subtly (laughs) shape events in such a way that Americanized Chinese food came into existence. Dr. Tung's exploits exploits would be a 10-series book unto itself, but we are not here to talk about him other than how his time manipulation has led to young Mr. Brumfield's dragon ride. I think that will be a good spot to leave off, despite the fact that I still have some seconds before this Um book the Wednesday segment will end so uh, that's what I'm gonna do is end it there haha <laughs> see I just had to talk slow and I knew that would happen in a second okay so Today's Game Gavin sponsor is Dragon Wage Employment Agency. Thank you, sponsor. Uh, okay, so here we're going to talk about Dragon Age, colon, Inquisition, the first 20-ish hours or so. 
Uh, I kind of knew this was going to happen as far as rating wise, and I don't think I think it's basically impossible that this will change between now and me eventually finishing Dragon Age. But it gets a five out of five, a goddamn five out of five. Perhaps even six out of five. No, I, I got to kind of save that for Fallout games so far. But nearing a six out of five, I love this game. Uh, I've played just. It's hard to put down. And it is just an incredible feat in gaming, in, in an experience, an epic experience that I, I could just sit there and play and play and play. End of discussion. No. Uh, tell you a little bit what I've done in the game so far. Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Try not to give anything story-wise away. Well, maybe I should mention that. Um, am I paying attention to the story to a 100% degree? Probably not. But uh, I talked, I think, in last game, Gavin, how as you age, I do believe the way in which you play video games at least potentially will change. Uh, I think perhaps a lot of this has to do with the fact that when I am playing a game, uh, I'll usually have either a television show or a movie on the go at the same time and sort of be doing both at the same time. If something interesting happens on the movie, I'll pause the game and vice versa. So not 100% of my attention 100% of the time is going to be on the story of Dragon Age while playing it. Uh, that being said, what I know of it, which I think I'm grasping enough to have it still be interesting, uh, is standardish, somewhat standard fantasy fair. Now, I don't want to say that's bad, because if you have listened to any or a lot of the 300 plus episodes of this podcast, you may have realized that I'm a bit of a nerd who likes a bit of the dragons and dungeons and what have yous. So uh, to say that it's following along with those things that I love is by no means saying it's bad. In fact, it's very, very good. It's just, you kind of can kind of sort of kind of sort of get a feeling of where it's headed at any given moment which is again not a bad thing it's just a thing uh, my team let me tell you a little bit about my team that i have um created i'm playing as a rogue uh, a dwarven rogue who favors daggers mm. so there's there's the character sort of creation at the beginning of this was pretty incredible i like <laughs> spending like uh, ab I don't know if it's ab 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 an abnormal amount of time creating my character but I do spend a lot of time just because I find it fun so if you're having fun doing something why not draw it out a little bit um, he's got like a giant mustache he's I don't know if I'd call him black but definitely darker than most of the other characters in the game and he's got like bright white hair so he's kind of like an old man a uh, bit of a fro. <laughs> uh, now, if you're not familiar with Dragon Age, your team can consist of various peoples, uh, and it sort of grows and flows and ebbs throughout the game. Uh, I find usually in a game like this, because that's not unusual, I'll, I'll pick certain individuals who I'll have as my sort of go-tos. Uh, here they consist of a um, rift mage. Oh, sorry, yeah two mages and a tank so what that means if you're not familiar with gaming limbo limbo lingo mm -hmm. uh one guy who sort of 
say you're fighting a dragon. Because I'm a rogue, I'll sneak behind the dragon and start stabbing him. The tank will go in front and sort of get his attention and start hitting him with his sword. Where the two mages can be wherever the hell they want and sort of fling in magic at him. And, and that seems to be fun and work well, so that's why I do it. I've killed, on that note, I've killed two of the ten dragons that are located in this game. And uh, the first one, really, really hard. I think by the second one, I'd level up a bit, and it's a bit easy. I think that will leave one final thing to say about uh, the first 20-ish hours or so of Dragon Age. And that is a little piece of advice that I, for the most part, found out the hard excuse me, found out the uh, hard way, and that is don't try to complete 100% of the hinterlands at first. Uh, the game is broken up into different maps. The first sort of map you have access to is called the hinterlands. Um, because I'm a bit of an OCD player, what I would normally do is do absolutely everything that's humanly, or in this case, I suppose, dwarvenly possible. <laughs> um, and, and do that all at first and then move on to the next area. But it, it's just not feasible to do. You've got to level up to get into certain areas of the hinterlands. And it doesn't make sense to do it all at once. So that is my piece of advice for use. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Harland Williams Half-Baked Potato. What a treat! Okay, so what I have brought back is an old standby. Kevin Pollock's chat show with guest Harland Williams. Rating 5 out of 5. Yes. Little slice of podcasty goodnessy heavenly goodness. Gracious, great balls of podcasty goodness. Okay, well, let's just stop that. Uh, something I like to say whenever Kevin Polk's chat show has come up on this podcast is that it is the very first podcast I ever listened to. As I like to say, I uh, came for the LeVar Burton and stayed for the Kevin Pollock. The reason I like to say that is because his first guest was LeVar Burton who you may know as Jordy LaForge from the Star Trek The Next Generation television show. Uh, you may also know, hey, you know what? I haven't plugged this in a sh since before episode 300. Why don't I plug it now? Um, if you would like to see LeVar Burton uh, autographing a nerdy cane, a nerdy cane that is autographed by all members of the Star Trek Nano next generation uh, bridge crew uh, Wesley Crusher not yet but one day um, not Tasha Yar I guess either anyways I digress uh, if you would like to see that same cane signed by many many other nerdy folk and also held in the arms of an incredible number of people in cosplay you can do so huh? uh, by googling nerd cane adventures uh, that's me Nerd Cane Adventures. Uh, follow on Facebook, 
just have a look at what that is, and I can assure you, if you are listening to this, and these words that I have spoken thusly, so farly, uh, you haven't enjoyed, you will also enjoy that, so, so please check it out. I'll tell you what, if you listening to this, go over and check that out and comment on it, um, I will love you forever. Yeah, just plain and simple. Uh, so, uh, the guest of this particular Kevin Pollock's chat show was Harland Williams, who, Canadian, first and foremost, well, not first, well, first, but not foremost, oh my god, uh, super, super funny dude, um, he, and this is not a direct quote, because I didn't write it down when he said it, but he said, uh, silliness is his route to funny. Ness. <laughs> That's not a direct quote whatsoever. Just keep that in mind. But uh, he is definitely, I think that's a good way to characterize his comedy, his brand of comedy, if you are someone who likes to characterize things, comedy included. He's just oozing silliness. Uh, I think I've called him this before, and I'm not sure if I'm the first to say this of him, but he's sort of the king of the non sequitur. Uh, just the things that flow out of his mouth. You have no idea what's going to happen from one moment to the next. Uh, always insane and often hilarious is, is how I like to think of Harlan Williams. And uh doesn't hurt that he's kind of funny to look at, too. Yes. Uh, he told many great stories, but uh, my favorite that he spoke of in this interview, which, on the note of interviews, if you ever want to know about anyone more in-depthly than you even thought possible, that is one reason why you have to know about Kevin Pollock's chat show. Uh, look through his archive. He's 200-some-odd episodes so far. And if there's anyone who sort of appeals to you that you desire to know more about in a sort of long-form interview style, no one does it better, as far as I'm concerned. So check him out. Check this out. Uh, the story he told, Harland, that is, uh, was about his first, I think, television appearance and definitely first appearance on uh, David Letterman. Uh, and it was about how when he was younger, he told friends that if he ever got on David Letterman, he would put peanut butter on his shoes. Yeah, you probably have a sense from what I've said so far where this is going. Uh, he was about to go out on stage and do his act and said to the, like, uh, I guess stage manager, oh, oh, shoot, hold on one second. And then sort of ran around the corner, put the, like, heaping mounds of peanut butter on his, on top of his shoes and then walked out and did his act. Didn't make, made no mention over the course of his act of all the peanut butter on his shoes. <laughs> Just did his act as he normally would. Um, he, he did an amazing friggin' uh, impression of David Letterman's reaction when he saw the peanut butter on his shoes. It was a s triple take. Yeah, you could probably call it at least a double take, a two and a half take, let's say. And because his comedy, uh, you, Harlan uh, specified a couple of times that he killed, like his comedy went very, very well. However... And uh, this doesn't happen very often. He was called over after he had done his set to sit and talk with David Letterman. He does believe, and in fact the answer must be, that uh, he was called over because he had peanut butter on top of his shoes and Dave had to know why this was the case. So, uh, very, very cool interview. 
Uh, I should say that uh, he has his own podcast called The Harlan Highway. He's getting near 666 episodes. That is crazy. Uh, he was doing three week, is now doing two. They really sort of build up when you do them like that. Like, I wonder what Adam Curl is at. He's got to be in the thousands, I, I imagine, doing five a week. Uh, I think, folks, as far as I know, that will be it for now. I will say it is nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper